Wonderful, wonderful. I have enjoyed the entire time here. And thank you for those who have been able to make it out uh, through the week. And, and uh, it's been a blessing to be here. And thank you for your encouragement and kindness. And I hope you folks realize how good the Lord's been to you to give you this church. If you traveled around uh, for a while, you'd trust me, you'd be very, very thankful for the church the Lord's given you here. And uh, your pastor that's been faithful all these years and stayed true to the Word of God and uh, just been a, you've been blessed. I was thinking, you know, boy, you got Brother Josh. I mean, he gave up his National Football League career uh, to serve the Lord. And you, you got Brother Steve. He gave up his National Hockey League career to serve the Lord. And, and uh, so you've been blessed, really. I've enjoyed being here and uh, it's been an encouragement to me. So thank you so much, and we do appreciate you pray that uh, I'm able to get home without getting a ticket. Amen. <laughs> I always pray about that. And uh, it's, it's a little easier at night. You don't have as much traffic, but, um, but I'm always excited to get home. We've got just a number of back-to-back -back meetings, and so if I can get home for a little bit between, uh, I try to do that. So... Uh, again, thank you, church. Let's open our Bibles tonight to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Most 
stewardship conferences or missions conferences that I have been in either as a pastor or as a speaker, uh, seems like oftentimes uh, the week passes and there's not much said about prayer. And yet to seek the will of God without prayer is a worthless effort. And so I want us to look at that a little bit tonight. Here in Luke chapter 11, if you'll notice in verse 1, it says, It came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. When he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As in heaven, so on earth, give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend? And shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is in his journey, in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as, as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened unto you. Be a wonderful thing to be able to sit at Jesus' feet and hear him teach on prayer, wouldn't it? But he has so blessed us to give us this King James Bible that we can trust every single word. I want you to go over to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much. You've been so incredibly good to us, Lord. We so often feel like Paul that said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. And yet you've been so gracious and merciful. We need you, Lord. We ask you again tonight that you'd please meet with us. Please, Holy Spirit of God, make your presence known here tonight. Do a work in our hearts. I pray, Lord, there might be a difference in our prayer lives after this time that we have this evening. And I pray, Lord, that we might diligently pray to seek your will in this matter of giving to missions. Lord, who knows what might could happen if your people would get seriously about asking you 
for provisions to give to see souls saved across the world. So help us tonight. Open our hearts. Give us those ears to hear. And may we not just be hearers, but doers as well. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. A number of years ago, I heard an old evangelist make the statement. He said, I, I just was thinking, I got burdened, and he said, I sent out letters to a number of churches that I'd preached for over many, many years, and these are independent Baptist churches. And he said, I just asked two questions in the letter, and it was addressed to the pastor of these churches that I'd preached for. And the first question was, how much time, pastor, do you spend in an average week in Bible study? And he said, I, I, I asked them if they would return but without any name, without any, any address. I didn't want to know who it was. I just wanted to get the statistics. He said the second question was, how much time, Pastor, do you spend on an average day in prayer? He, he began to get the responses and he added them up and, and uh, figured out an average and he was pretty much what he expected on Bible study by most pastors that he preached for. But he said when it came to that second question of how much time you spend in a day in prayer, he was absolutely shocked. He said the average independent Baptist preacher that he preached for, that responded to him, spent an average of 10 minutes a day in prayer. 10 minutes a day. If that is anywhere near what's going on today, no wonder we're not seeing revival. In these two passages we read on prayer, we see our God as a loving Father, a merciful high priest, and a sovereign ruler on His throne. You know, there's a lot of good Christians that would like to give more to missions. But I believe that God is pleased for us to give to missions. And I don't think he's offended if we come and ask him, Lord, would you give me this amount that I could give to missions? But I'm so afraid that we've lived in a, in a, a generation today where we are so busy, we're like Martha of old, cumbered about with much serving, but we have little time to do the better part. And there's such a lack of seeking God and what God could do if we would just ask Him. You see, all of these relations, uh, all of these uh, verses we read are really, they, they depict a relationship that's based on our salvation. A relationship with the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. A dear evangelist friend of mine who's 82 years old now and had a great influence on me when I was a teenager. And I remember him telling how that, and, and he come from a real rough background from, from inner city Detroit. And God just transformed his life. He's been preaching for, I don't know, I guess close to 60 years now. Tremendous guy. Love him to death. But I remember him telling about 
how that uh, he was uh, a few years ago he was preaching at a, a church and and on Saturday morning they had a men's prayer breakfast and they had their breakfast and then the, they gathered together in the auditorium and he said the men were sitting up front and he gave them a little bit of a challenge and then he began to take some prayer requests and he, he's about ready to split up so that they would just uh, find a prayer partner and find some place in the building to get alone and, and pray. And he said about the time that they were about ready to split up, he said all of a sudden there was this, man, he said everybody kind of turned and looked and the back doors opened up. These two guys walked in and they had leather vests on. They had tattoos all over them, no t-shirt or anything. And they just looked rough. Obviously, it just got off of their Harleys. They walked in to see what was going on. And uh, Brother Cook said, uh, he said, fellas, come right on up here. There's a seat for you right up here. (laughs) They came in and sat down. He said, now we've taken a prayer request. He said, find a partner and break up, find some place in the church to pray. I'm going to take these two guys with me. And so guys split up and they went different places. They all looked a little bit nervous. <laughs> Brother Cook looked at these two guys and he said, now fellas, he said, I want to tell you something. We're going to have a prayer meeting and there's certain rules to the prayer meeting. They said, what do you mean rules, man? <laughs> he said, there's rules to this prayer meeting. They said, what kind of rules? He said, the rules are, I can pray and you can't pray. And they said, what do you mean we can't pray? He said, that's the rules. He said, who made up these rules? He said, Jesus Christ made up these rules. He said, you see, you can't come to the Father except you come through Jesus Christ. I've come through Jesus Christ and trusted him as my Savior, so I can go to the Father and pray. But you haven't, so you can't go to the Father and pray. They looked at him and said, well, what's keeping us from going to Jesus Christ then? He said, your sin. Before it was over in just about 20 minutes, he led both of them to Christ. The truth is, you have no access to this wonderful opportunity to beseech our very uh, sovereign designer and creator. We, you have no access to all the power that he has, unlimited resources, if you don't know that you're saved. So should we come to him and ask him for a gift that we might be able to give to see souls across the world saved? I mean, who are we to ask? Uh, Doesn't he already have all that figured out? So why pray? Well, I'm going to tell you why we pray. Because he told us to. So notice, first of all, what authority we have. There, We read in Luke, Luke 11... Verse 9, it says, and I say unto you. You see, while he was praying and the disciples came and asked him to teach us to pray, I mean, they had just been sent out. The 12 had just been chosen and to send out to, to serve him and, and preach for him. They knew they had need. And he, he asked them, so teach us to pray. 
And, and, and so he teaches them and tells them how to put his glory before their own need. And thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And, and then he tells that story about that friend at midnight. And how that, that guy comes and knocks on the door. And the guy comes to the door and he said, who is it? And he said, man, it's your friend, but I need some bread. We had somebody show up through traveling that we didn't expect. And they don't have any bread for him. And I need to borrow some bread. And he said, no, don't bother me. We're all in bed. The kids are in bed. They're going to sleep. Don't bother me. But he kept on knocking and kept on knocking. And finally, be, finally he answered and gave him the bread. He tells this illustration. And then he says... And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, it shall be opened unto you. See, he commands us to ask. The one who was in the beginning with God, the one who knows both the greatness of God and the weakness of man, commands us to come and ask. I mean, do you think... That if we came this week and got alone sincerely with God Almighty and said, Dear God, I kind of feel like this is on my heart. Would you give me this amount to give to see souls saved? You think he would be bothered by that? I don't think so. I'm afraid that in our churches today, we are producing a bunch of preachers that are coming out of colleges today, and man, they're, they're learning how to do good marketing, and they're learning how to put together programs, and I'm not against any of that, but I want to tell you something, it doesn't substitute for the power of God Almighty, and what we need is we need a visitation of the Holy Ghost of God, and that never comes outside of prayer. E.M. Bounds said, what the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use. Men of prayer. Men mighty in prayer. I remember my, I, I told earlier this week, my dad got out of the ministry during my teenage years and, and was struggling with some health issues and all. And, and I remember when I went off to Bible college, and I'm excited about learning to walk with God and trying to win souls and, and, and to develop so that God could use me. And, and I heard a message on fasting and prayer. Now, I'd been in church all my life, but I didn't ever remember hearing a message on fasting and prayer. But I heard a sermon on fasting and prayer. My heart was already burdened. My dad was my hero. My dad was literally a Marine Corps hero in World War II. He boxed, he played college football, and man, when God, when God got a hold of my dad's heart and he surrendered to preach, my dad had a great, a great heart for people, and my dad had a great love for the Word of God. Dad would oftentimes say, and I've quoted him a thousand times, I'll probably never be a Bible scholar, but I hope I'm always a Bible student. My dad was my hero, and I'm thinking, dear Lord, here I am preparing for the ministry that you've called me in, and Lord... I know you called my dad, and he's not in that position. And I believe those callings are without repentance. Yeah. And, and it wasn't that he wasn't in church. He was, they were in church. He was teaching Sunday school. But I'm thinking, Lord, I don't know that he's right in the center of where you want him to be. And I was burdened for him because I loved him. And I remember my dad called me, and he said, son, be praying for me. 
He said the church at Strathmore is Faith Baptist Church. It's where he was pastoring when I was born. He said the church has called me. They're without a pastor. They asked me if I would come and preach for them. And, he, and I was getting excited. And he said, I told him, you know, I'll come and preach for you, but don't consider me coming as, as a candidate to pastor. He said, but I'll come and preach for you. Well, that was just an answer to prayer, and I was excited about that. And I remember that, that Thursday, I began to fast and pray. I just heard this sermon, and I said, well, Lord, I saw it in the Bible. There's kind cometh forth only by prayer and fasting. I, I'm going to just, and my heart was burdened, and every mealtime I was going in a room by myself. I was weeping, and I was just so burdened. And I said, dear Lord, I just pray that when Dad steps up in the pulpit Sunday morning. I just pray, God, that you would, you would just melt his heart for those people. And I said, Lord, I pray that, that when he gives the invitation, the altar would just be full. And he'd have a change of heart and be willing, if they want him, to come and be their pastor. And I began to pray that. And man, every, every time it was meal time, I'd take the meal time and just go in and Begged the Lord for a while. I'm just 18 years of age. I mean, who am I? I'm no great man of prayer. But I just saw what the Bible said. And I said, I've never tried this before. Man, I, I remember Thursday and Friday and Saturday, and, and I don't recommend this, but even on Sunday, I didn't pay much attention to the sermon. My heart was just so I'm thinking, okay, California time is right. Dad's about to step into the pulpit. It's just full in my mind. On Monday morning, the phone rang. My dad said, hey, how's it going? I said, good, Dad. I said, how was your weekend? He said, well, I wanted to tell you about it. He said, son, I got up to preach Sunday morning. And he said, when I walked in the pulpit, I was preaching about Joshua, where after all those years of wandering in the wilderness, he finally said, it's time to turn northward. And he said, I, I, I began to open the scripture and he said, I'm telling you, God melted my heart for those people. And he said, boy, I, I preached and I preached and I said, man, I've wandered in the wilderness long enough. I'm ready to turn northward. He said, I'm sorry if I came with the wrong attitude and, and if God would want me to pastor again, I'm willing to do what God wants. He said, I've wandered long enough. I'm turning northward. How many want to go with me? He said, son, the altar was full. They ended up calling him 100%. My dad went back to pastoring. And I remember hanging up the phone as an 18-year-old boy and thinking, man, God, you heard the prayers of an 18-year-old boy. I mean, just like I asked you, Lord. You understand how much God wants his children to come to him and ask. We were in, in Bible college and you know, like most that are in the will of God in Bible college, you got to be poor. Uh, it's a Bible verse somewhere, I'm not sure. A book of Booth or something. Man, my wife and I had just gotten married and we were so dumb we really thought you could live on love. That lasted about two weeks. <laughs> and we were, you know, God, God our, our first year of marriage, God gave us a little boy and, and, uh, and we were, we were excited, but man, it was just always watching every little dime, you know. 
And I remember my wife coming to me. I was getting ready to go to work. I was working nights. And she said, honey, she said, I, I don't have any formula or anything for the baby. And she said, I know we're out of money and you don't get a paycheck for two more days. And I said, sweetheart, I'm so sorry. I said, I, I don't know what to do except pray. It almost sounds like a bad deal, you know. And we just simply stopped and prayed. Just very simple. Lord, you know our need. We're trying to do right. We're trying to serve you. And Lord, I, I, don't, I don't know what else to do but to ask you, Lord, would you some way provide so that we can go get the, the groceries, the, the, especially the, the, uh, uh, the needs for the baby. And I kissed her goodbye and I got in the car and went to work that night. And I was coming home from work in the early morning hours and I pulled up to a, a stoplight and I stopped. And all of a sudden, wham, a guy hits me right in the back. And I get out and, and I look at the bumper and there was just a little scratch. It really wasn't anything serious. And, and an older man got out of his car and he's all nervous and upset. And he says, I'm so sorry. He said, I, I wasn't paying attention. And I'm thinking, well, that was obvious, but I didn't say that. You know? And he said, I feel really bad. I said, sir, you don't have to feel bad. I said, just a little scratch on the bumper. None of us are hurt. Everything's okay. Don't worry about it. And he, he starts to reach in his pocket. And, and, and he pulls out some money. And I said, sir, really, you don't have to give me anything. <laughs> and he hands me a couple of bills. And I went home. And there was an all-night store. And I pulled in. And I got some of our needs. And I got home. And I walked in with a couple of bags of groceries and what my wife said we needed. And she looked at me and she said, where'd you get that? <laughs> She, I know she was thinking I stole it and I, or held up a bank or something, held up a store. You don't know how God's going to provide, but I'm going to tell you, He wants you to come and ask Him. He's not limited. We sing and we talk about Him owning the, the cattle on a thousand hills, and He owns a whole lot more than that. Then why don't we come to Him more? He said, I say unto you, ask. It shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. There in, in Hebrews chapter 4. I mean, it's, a, it's an incredible passage. We have a great high priest. He understands the feelings of our infirmity. He was tempted in every point like as we are, yet without sin. And you know what he tells us? So come boldly to the throne of grace. You don't have to come timid. Come boldly to the throne of grace. I've been tempted every point like as you are, and, and yet without sin, I know all the answers to all the, the problems and have all the victory at my fingertips. So come boldly. I want you to see it's a throne. I mean, what an amazing invitation from the Almighty God, the one that's, that spoke the world into existence, the one that carved the Grand Canyon with his little finger. The one that, that, that shed 10,000 tears on Minnesota. The one that put the stars in its place in a midnight sky and set the sun right where it needed to be so that we could still exist and breathe. That mighty God says, come into my throne room. 
What an invitation. It's a throne. You see, in prayer, we come not only to our Father's feet, but we come to the throne of the great sovereign of the universe. We stand where angels bow with veiled faces. They say under the old Persian Empire, there were very few of the selected nobility that was ever allowed to come into the king's throne room. It was thought to be the highest privilege. But you and I, Christian, were instructed to come into his very throne room. We walk in with holy reverence. We don't come in cocky. We don't come in demanding God. That's all a bunch of foolishness. We come with holy reverence. Spurgeon said, be sure that when you draw nigh to the omnipotent God, you take the shoes off your feet and worship him with the lowliest humility. We walk in with holy reverence. We walk in with submissive hearts. We don't pray to instruct him. We come to request with the acknowledgement that you know better than I know, Lord. We walk in, our God, I'm here because I was commanded to come and you invited me to come, Father. And I know you know better than I know, Lord, but all I know to do is to share with you the requests that are on my heart. And Lord, if you know a better way, I'm ready to accept a better way, but I come to request these things. You come with a submissive heart, a humble heart, but with expectation because you're invited by him and you're commanded to ask. You see, while before the very throne of of God, our request should not be with hesitation. It doesn't become a king to be giving away pennies and nickels. He distributes pieces of gold. There's nothing too hard for him. I want you to read one of my favorite passages of Scripture over in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Man, he is able to do Everything I could think of, he's able. And not only that, he's able to do above all that I could could ask or think. And not only that, he's able to do abundantly above all that I can ask or think. And not only that, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I ask or think. Our God is not limited. And he invites us to come. And notice, this this isn't a throne of law. This isn't a throne of critique and judgment. Folks, this is a throne of grace. Dispensing grace. It's the hope for our imperfect supplications. He's our great high priest. He'll alter those imperfect supplications. He'll amend our prayers and present them to the Father. Luke 18.1 says, men ought always to pray. And not to faint. I'm going to tell you something. You can't pray without ceasing. And live in a life of sin. 
But if you want to play with sin, you're going to have a hard time coming to the throne of grace. The devil loves to keep God's people away from the prayer closet. So he gives us a wonderful promise. You can have grace to help in the time of need. Ask, it'll be given. Seek, it'll find. Knock, it'll be open unto you. What a promise. I have an old deacon, the church I pastored. Man, I guess it's been, whew, 35 plus years ago. Brother Glenn and his wife are just still precious friends. They're way up in years. They're struggling some with their health and slipping a little bit. But he still, he'll text me. He'll call me, where you at? Praying for you. Love you. And um, soul winners, man, they witnessed everybody. Glenn was uh, my chairman and my deacons, and he came to me one day, and he drove Sunday school bus, and he loved that. He loved serving the Lord. And Glenn was born with uh, uh, some type of degeneration in his spine, and and uh, and it was just a lot of pain. He dealt with a lot, and and uh, he came to me in my office one day. He said, "Preacher," he said, "Would you, would you just pray over me?" That God would relieve me. He said, man, it's getting hard for me to work the clutch on the bus or even the brake. And he said, I don't, that's, man, that's where my heart's at, preacher. He said, I don't want to stop serving the Lord. He said, would you pray that God would just give me relief? And I said, let's do that, Glenn. He, he sat in a little couch in my office and I walked over and I put my hands around him and I began to pray and nothing spectacular. I know I'm a nobody. I just said, dear Lord, my brother is not asking for something for selfish reasons. He's asking because he wants to serve you, Lord. God, could you just touch his body? You can take that pain where he can continue to serve. He'll still, when we get to see each other, he'll say, preacher, you remember when you prayed for me in the office that day? And I got up and walked out without any pain. I'm not talking about some weird feeling thing. I'm not talking about some charismatic gift of healing. I'm talking about just praying to our Father. He's not limited. Say, does He always want to do that? No. Sometimes He's got a better plan and a better reason. But you never know if you don't ask. My wife's grandmother was, was in her, her 90s. And, and nobody knows for sure what happened. She says she fell out of her bed, but I mean, she was black and blue and in a coma. My wife does not come from a, a home where there's a bunch of folks that are dedicated Christians. There's some that profess to be saved, but they're not very faithful in church or anything. But, but they were all around her, her bedside. She's in a coma. And they call her Mama. She's from Kentucky originally, and she was a hoot. I mean, at 80 years old, she still wanted to ride the roller coasters. You know, she was a lot of fun. But she's laying there in the coma, and, and they're talking about her funeral. And my wife says, would, would you guys mind if, if Tim just asked if maybe God would favor us with bringing Mamaw out of this coma and giving her a few more years with us? They said, yeah, whatever, okay, that's fine. 
So my wife and I held hands and I just asked the Lord, Lord, you know better than me, but Lord, I think it'd be a really wonderful testimony, Lord, if you'd just touch Mama, bring her out of this coma and let us have a few more years with her. Honestly, if my wife was here, she'd give testimony. In about two minutes, Mama lifted her head off the pillow and she said, what are you all talking about? <laughs> and God gave us about eight more years with Mama. I'm just saying, folks, he told us to come to him. You think God would be displeased if you come to him this week and spend some time alone with him and say, oh, God, Lord, would you allow me to give this much this year? Lord, I, I gave this much last year, but I want to do more, Lord. Would you help me? Would you provide that I could get? I don't think he'd be displeased. He tells us to come and ask. You see, that's not a selfish thing. You say, well, why are there sometimes the prayers aren't answered? Or they're not answered the way we ask? Well, go over there to James chapter 4 and we'll be done. Notice in James chapter 4. Verse 1 says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? That's good for independent Baptists. Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members, otherwise your own desire, selfish desires, isn't that where most of the fighting and fussing go, comes from? He says in verse 2, you lust and have not, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain, you fight in war, yet you have not because you, you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lusts. So he said, there's two reasons we don't have the prayers answered the way that we hope. One is, you don't ask. The second is, you ask selfishly. You ask amiss. It's not about God getting glory. It's not for His purpose. It's not something that would be uh, used for His glory. It's just selfish. Lord, I'd like a new Mercedes. But when you ask him, Lord, this isn't about me. Lord, I'd like to see more souls reached for you. We, we, we'd like to support more missionaries. Our church has a burden. Lord, would you, would you give me the joy and privilege? Would you provide this so I can give to see us reach more people? more souls for you, Lord. That's not selfish. That's for His glory. Have you prayed? Have you got along, along with God and asked Him? Please, don't make your mind up already till you've spent time with God. We've talked about being able to hear. Well, we also need to ask. We need to come to Him. Maybe there's other burdens. Maybe there's other challenges you're dealing with. How is your prayer life tonight? How is that time alone with God? Is it something that's, that the devil's got you so distracted? I mean, we have time to watch the ball game, and we have time to watch the news, and boy, we stay up in all the politics. Do we have time to just get along with God? We need revival in our land. God said, that's a... That's a, that's a that's in your hands. If my people, called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. 
Are we prayer warriors? I was blessed to grow up with a grandma who was known in our little town as a prayer warrior. Everybody called my grandma granny. Our town population was about 2,500. People would call my grandmother who didn't, didn't go to church three times a year. Granny, I was at the doctor. I got some bad news. Would you pray for this? My granny, as a teenage boy, she would come up and she was a little shorter and chunky. She'd reach up and pull my head down and she'd kiss me on the cheek and she'd say, son, you don't need to be going to those dances at the school. You're a Christian. You don't need to be going to that movie theater, son. You see, you're to have a testimony for the Lord. Your granny was up this morning calling your name before the throne of grace at 4.30 this morning. I look back over my life and say, thank God I had a prayer warrior praying for me. What could happen if we get back serious in this matter of prayer? Would you bow your heads with me, please? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I wonder tonight if there's somebody that say, Brother Booth, I've been struggling about whether I'm truly saved or not. And I, I, I've just been having doubts. I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven, but I'd like to get it settled for sure. Pray for me. Would you slip your hand up, anybody like that? I'm going to ask you to stand with me for prayer after I pray. If God's dealing with your heart as a Christian, you want to come and join. There's folks at the altar already. You need to come and join. And you come tonight, would you? Obey the Lord. Say yes to whatever he's speaking to your heart about. Please stand with me. Our Father, we do come to you, Lord. We love you. Thank you for your precious word. Thank you for such a great, merciful, and gracious God that you'd not only command us to ask, but invite us into your very throne room. Forgive us, Lord, when we don't come to you like you want us to. Lord, we need your power, your Holy Spirit in reaching souls for Christ, our churches to grow and have impact. And the Lord, we need you to, to provide for us. Lord, oftentimes we'd like to do more. But Lord, you're not limited. We sometimes are limited, but you're not limited. Help folks, Lord, to spend time with you and get the answer from you for provisions that this might be a wonderful, glorious increase this year to be able to take on more missionaries and be a help to more mission fields and reach more souls for thee. Bless this invitation. You know the needs. Speak to hearts and give victories, we pray in Jesus' name. The music's playing. God's speaking to your heart. You need to join these that are at the altar. You come on, would you?